Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through franchise ownership, allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately a business that can run on its own without you. Jordan Bopodia, the Wolf of Wall Street in the Wolf's Den. It's a stormy Wolf's Den today. So it's actually, it's going to be, you'll see this later on, but just to let you know, if you look out the window here, right, this is like pre-Hurricane Ian, which is going to hit here, I think tonight or tomorrow. So it should be fucking cool, right? Um, but anyway, I have a great podcast today. Uh, you know, it's interesting. It's, I, I, it's really congruent with the direction I'm taking my podcast, which is, you know, focusing on, you know, entrepreneurship, money-making opportunities, things like that. Calling people out in their bullshit when I have to, right? Um, but um, in terms of, you know, I, I've always said that I believe that, you know, the best way to make money is to own your own business. I've, I've always believed that. Um, and I've always owned my own business my whole life. I never worked for someone except for a very short period of time when I was in the process of learning something. If I needed to learn, you know, how to do something, then I would do it with three, four months mindset that I was going to leave and start my own business, right? Since I'm very young. The problem with starting your own business is very risky, right? You know, it doesn't always work out. In fact, a lot of new businesses fail. So one of the possibilities is franchising to essentially have someone hand you a business model that shows you everything to do from A to Z. Um, and it increases your likelihood of success significantly, right? So the guests I have on today focus on that business. They help match people of all ages, people generally, you know, that are in the professional world, successful already, meaning they're mid to upper level management, uh, have a, a few dollars of savings behind them, but they're sick of the corporate rat race. They want to be in business for themselves, but they're not right, quite sure how to get there to make the leap from being an employee to being an owner. And to me, it makes a lot of sense that if it's the right opportunity that a franchise could make sense because a lot of people I know that own franchises, they don't own just one. They'll own like 10 of the same franchise and that's how they really make money over time by scaling up. Uh, sometimes a franchise can be buying yourself a job and that's not terrible either. But I think, um, you know, I'd like to see some opportunities here for people listening where it's not just buying yourself a job, but where you can actually build a real business around yourself, leverage your time and eventually, uh, be able to live the life that you want, not just to work for a living, but to live a life, right? So that being said, name of the company that's here today's franchise playbook, two guys, very sharp young guys, Dan Claps, Derek Santos. I keep confusing you two, by the way. I'm yeah. Derek Dan, right? anyway, but <clears throat> excuse me. Similar color shirts. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't You're fucking with me, right? Anyway, <laughs> so we're here, stormy days today. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. You guys are brave for flying down here. You flown down from New York, right? Yeah, yeah. Yesterday. That's where the company's located, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm interested. This is the reason I wanted you on the podcast here is because I, I, I love the idea that you're helping people who are in the rat race get out of the rat race. Yeah. I, I just really, now there's some exceptions to this. Like, for example, if you're in the brokerage, the financial service sector, very often it makes sense to work at a big company because you're yeah. leveraging up their balance sheet, certain products they have, the clout they have. So, so it's like almost you own your own business within their business, right? But that's, I think, the exception to the rule. Like if you're working in a manufacturing plant and you're in mid-level management, you really yeah. have nowhere to go. It's not like there's an advantage to that unless you have a very special operator guy owning the company who's like, who's creating opportunity for people in the middle ranks, right? right. So let's start by explaining to me like who typically are the people, the clients first that come to you or that you go out and seek that end up buying franchises and succeeding? 
Yeah, our client is pretty specific. So it's usually, you've mentioned a lot about what they're looking for. They crave to have more freedom in their life, whether it's more money, more time with their family, less travel. They want to do what they want to do. And their job is not allowing them to have that freedom. So our client is typically an executive. They're managing people, they're managing process, they're heading up sales or operations. And they want to transition out of that into business ownership without all the risks of maybe starting something on their own and the likelihood of failing is a little higher. Whereas a franchise, they're buying into a proven playbook, if you will, or system that they can, that they can execute. What is, on. do you have the numbers on that? What is that? I mean, I didn't want to, I was going to spit out the number in the, uh, in the intro, but like, I, I, you know, I, I come through as a lot of the statistics that you grew up hearing are all bullshit. Like, oh, nine yeah, yeah. new businesses fail. Do you know what the real number is? Yeah. So I, I know what the number that's in the first year that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's stated is there's an SBA. I think the SBA is the company that put it together. 80% of small businesses fail within the first five years. But is that, is that a number that is the SBA's number from those who take SBA loans or just general speaking? I think it's a combination of the SBA and a couple other resources. I don't know the exact, so I'm okay. going to be candid Whatever, in that. Right? But I, the number I hear is 80% of small business fail within the first five years. Let's just say it's fair to say that a lot of small businesses don't make it. Yeah. Right? We don't know what the number is, but it's certainly probably greater than 50%, not 100%. It's probably seven out of 10 end up failing in the first five years, right? Yeah. Fair enough, right? Um, and the idea would be that, and this makes sense, that if you buy a franchise and someone's handing you the franchise playbook or the playbook for that business, right? It has to increase your chances of success, right? Yeah, they they say 90% of, so franchise is the, the opposite, 90% succeed. Ah, with got them, it. You know, and they don't fail. Fair enough, right. So what you're doing, basically, when you buy a franchise, you're flipping the odds in your favor dramatically if you're a business owner, right? Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like there's a business owner or a franchisor, the guy that start, guy or girl that started the franchise system. They went out, they painted houses, they figured out how to get leads, they figured out how to hire salespeople, they made a system up and they know how to do it and they can replicate it. But instead of them going to another market and doing themselves, they find a franchise owner who could be involved and follow that process too. Mm -hmm. So the chance of success is a lot higher. Fair enough. Have you taken it a step further by, you know, there's over 4,000 franchises. We narrowed it down to which ones we think are the best. Uh, we review FDDs, make sure the franchise disclosure document. And then from there kind of put together the best list to show our clients. Fair enough. So obviously all franchise opportunities are not created equal, right? There's some right. probably really great ones and some really shitty ones. Generally speaking, out of the 4,000, I know you've narrowed it to your 500, but how many of the 4,000 would you say just complete not a bullshit? Well, I, I think a, an interesting stat is that out of the 4,000, there's 300 new ones every year. 300 new franchise options come out a year. And how many die? Stop, don't, you know, don't keep calling the documents or stop selling new. What, what I can tell you is this, uh, you need a hundred units to be successful as a franchisor to be profitable. And I think it takes the average franchisor 10 years to get to a hundred units. So those ones, they die, you know, they need to get to a hundred units quickly. And that's where we come in because what we do is we find great executives that want to own a business and we put them into the right franchise. We help that franchise get to a hundred units and then they can continue to grow. Why is a hundred units the magic number? So it comes down to the amount of people that you need. Well, first of all, if you look at the royalty revenue, so uh, for anyone that's listening, your franchise makes their money off the royalty, off the gross sales. So I'm a franchisor, I open a painting franchise, Derek opens up a location, I'm making a percentage of his gross sales. With a hundred locations, it adds up to a number that you know comes into probably typically the millions in, in revenue. And you're able to then cover all your support staff. Because typically as a franchisor, 
you need to have a certain amount of support staff helping get all these franchisees up and running. Let me ask you a question though. Is that, is that the only way a franchise makes money or for instance, like McDonald's made money as a real estate play, right? Also, I think they make money selling the actual products to the franchise as well. So there's money made from owning a franchise. Sure besides just the royalty, right? And then there's sure. also, in addition, you also have the collective advertising fund that people pay into, right? People have to yeah, put in right. X amount of dollars. I don't know if they clip some of that. I always wondered. I actually was in the franchise business many, many, many years ago. I, I bought some franchise. I, it was, it, I wasn't the operator. I was fine. I was an investment banker and I bought a chain of chicken and rib restaurants on the West Coast and we huh. bought it as a way of just whatever. You're using it as a vehicle to go public and it was, it was a disaster. And the thing that made it disaster was that the franchise agreement was not structured correctly. They didn't have the right to force the holders to pay a certain amount into advertising. Uh, and without that, it made it very difficult. So you had like um, some of the restaurants were struggling really badly. A couple were doing well. But are there multiple profit centers for on franchises or is it just, are they, is, I know there any laws, maybe they changed the law. It depends on the franchise. So there's, there's some businesses, uh, where they'll become the manufacturer. So not only are they right. making, you know, not seven, nine percent off of the top line, but they're, they're selling also the product as well. Right. Products. As a, yeah. right. And yeah. as long as I guess their production would have to be in line with the normal markups in that industry, right? They can't be clipping them. I'm sure it's in the franchise disclosure document that there's an in right. and there's a conflict of interest. They sell themselves the product, right. they have to disclose what they're paying for, it, what the manufacturing costs are, right? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I think a lot of great franchisors. They're doing it. At, yes, it's a profit center, but they did it also because it's an add-on that's they're doing value as well, right? So they figured out a way to do it cheaper or better. Like I think about some of the brands that we work closely like with. Give an example. Yeah, so a specific example I could think of is a company called Horsepower Brands. A friend of mine started that, Josh Skolnick. He started a tree service business, sold it for tens and tens of millions of dollars to private equity, then went on to start. A tree service. He started a tree franchise. It's the only tree service franchise. Meaning cutting down trees? Cutting down trees, yeah. Tree falls on your house. They take care of that. He got that to 275 territories and then sold that to, private equity is big in our, our space right now. So he sold that, went out and started a company called Horsepower Brands, which is a bunch of franchise brands. Anyway, he what he does is if they have a product or service inside their system that isn't working well, he gets, he doesn't like it. So he goes out and he actually starts another business to make it better for the franchisees. So in other words, if you and I were in business and we were cool cleaning and the cleaning products suck, you know, instead of dealing with it, he would, he'll go out and he'll make a better cleaning product sure. and then he'll sell it. Yeah. He's making money, but he also solved the problem in the, got it. This particular client, Josh, he figured out, Hey, I know franchising and I can apply this, you know, traction system that we follow. And maybe you're familiar with traction, but that's what we do in our company. But he applies that. He buys a business. He turns it into a franchise. They have maybe six or seven brands that are all part of that one system. I brought him up only because I see that he actually goes out when sure. there's a problem in the business and fix it. So it really, to answer your question, depends on the franchise. There's bad franchise out there. They're making all their money off franchise fees, mm. meaning they sell, you know, territory, they make 50,000. Well, so yeah, so what is the, so let's, let's, let's go through them. So give me an example of, uh, so you gave me one, but give me one of an example of a very traditional franchise, not an FSO that you would recommend to people. Like what's an example of a good one? I love home service businesses. So water remediation, mold remediation, lawn care, something that a lot of times the executive that we're working with, they don't even have to work full-time in the business. It's something where they can have a manager, have somebody kind of operating it for them. Um, and I just think there's a huge demand for home services. We have they a- They call that roustabout in like Texas. 
What's it called? Roustabout. Roustabout. Well, I have a, a, a private client of mine, very nice young yeah. guy, very successful. I'm actually going to put you in touch with him. Um, he's got a, 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 um, a company in Texas that's growing like crazy called Residential Roustabout. Okay. Roustabout means home cleaning, tree stuff. Like they go and they help people, all sorts of home services. They do pretty well with it. Yeah. It's, you know, the money's sometimes not in the sexy businesses, it's in the ugly ones. You well, know? I mean, that, that, that's a business that you really got to fucking scale. Like it's a yeah, small, right. do small dollars, yeah. but anything, listen, you know, so is a fucking cheeseburgers, small right. dollars, right? <laughs> if you have enough of them, they're not so small anymore, right? Yeah. And we, we tell our clients too, like, you know, you're not going to do the day to day anyway. I don't care if you're in garbage cleaning business or there's poop. There's, you know, scooping for who cares? You're running. Okay, so wait. So, so in other words, so this so just so we, so people listen to understand. So my understanding of franchising is there's really two types of it. One is what you're saying where you're building a business. You're not going to be doing the dirty work, so to speak, or the hands on yourself. And you're more of a manager. And the other type is where people like buy themselves a job. Well, like right. someone buys a subway and yeah, it's right. like, see, you're getting yourself a $60,000 salary. And I never really understood that. Like why people would do that. But I guess it's hard for me to step into my, sh uh, into the shoes of someone that's maybe uneducated. Maybe they just got there. They're just new to the country. They've, they've got, they're right. living in the American, they got a green card there. Then they're just going to do this and they don't give a shit. And they're going to get five or 10 of them. Is that yeah. what ha happens? So I definitely have happens in franchising what specific to our business that's what we're, we try to avoid what's really not our client our client is someone that wants a semi-absentee business meaning Got it. they manage the people they manage the process I'll give you another so example. you manage the process so, so so i'm trying to cut you off but so in other words what no, you're saying okay. is is that because i have a lot of people i bet i bet that are listening would be interested in this right so in other words when they come to you and you sell them a franchise or you, well, you, I guess you'll assist them in the discovery process. You'll probably present them with multiple opportunities, right. see which one hits them the best, right? And then once they make that decision, do you then like hold their hand every step of the way and say, hey, we can help you find the right management. We can help you find employees or, or no, you stop at the sale. So currently we stop at the sale. Okay. We stay in, in touch. That's, that is a plan in the future, additional services to help them. Right now we just help them get into the franchise. Okay. But, you know, give an example, like another example, something I never would have thought of when I think of franchises. We actually have a mental health franchise. Mental health is obviously growing, Huge. you know, need, needed. Explain right? that to me. Yeah. So it's a mental health franchise where they actually provide all the therapy services to people all over the country. You open a, a location, people come in, they provide the, you know, therapy, but it's done in a very scalable way. It's pretty cool. The owner can't work in the business legally because it's a medical business. So they hire a clinical director. They have to. They're literally not allowed to work in the office. Yeah, so it's very common, like, you know, legal world, medical world. Like, you know, you're, you're limited on how you can get paid. But I guess there's not limited in pay, but just you can't interact with clients. Yeah. But so like to me, like that's the absolute proof of semi-absentee, right? You can't work in the business. So that in that example, you're providing services, you're managing the clinical director, you're out in the community building up, you know, sales, but you're not providing therapy services, you know, you're not doing the day to day. Okay. And what type of money? Like, so, so give me the economics of this. So what, how much money do you need typically to start with? What's the downstroke? And is there financing available? Yeah. 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 So I'd say our average client, we look for at least a hundred K liquid, liquid capital. Most of the time you're going to have to pay at least the franchise fee down, which is I'd say average 50,000. Um, but then to get an SBA loan, which most people do, you need 50K in post-closed liquidity. So 50K for the franchise fee, they still have to have 50 afterwards just kind of sitting in an account. So I'd say 100 is kind of the, the baseline. So they all take, a, a lot of them take SBA loans? Yes, or 401k rollovers. 
Yeah, 401k rollover, anyone is listening that may not know what it is. So you can actually take your retirement funds and roll it forward tax-deferred penalty-free into a, as long as you're buying a, a franchise business or a business in general, the government sees that as a investment into, just like you're buying into mutual funds, you're buying into your own company, into your own S- uh, C-Corp. So a lot of our clients do a 401k rollover as a portion of their financing. Any business or just a franchise? I believe it's any business, as long as you can show a business plan and there's some technicalities to how do you do it, but yeah, you can do a 401k okay. rollover and then the SBA. IRA rollover or just 401k? IRA too. Retirement in general. Yeah. You have to not be working in the company anymore. In other words, you can't roll over the retirement that you have with the company, but if you're not working at a company, you can roll it forward. And we have a partner in funding that's more of an expert on it than okay. us. But yeah, so most of our clients they are doing, I mean, you buy uh, anything, you usually get debt, right? You'd get a mortgage or a car loan. We're doing the same thing for our clients in businesses. So the average franchise fee is $50,000, right? And then how much are the expenses, their expenses on top of that to start the business, right? right. Yes. So what's cool about franchise that I like is there's the FTD, which is franchise disclosure document. So basically everyone needs to read it when they buy a franchise. You're making a big investment. So there's what's called item seven. Gives you all the, literally every single expense is broken down in item seven. And that gives you literally down to like what, you know, Red Bull will cost and what, you know, this desk will cost and being real. So what's the uh, average, like give me an example, what do they typically call? I guess it's all over the place, right? Yeah, what's it's, the average? Yeah, it's all over the place. I mean, I'd say our average investment. So for us, we've, remember, there's all kinds of franchises. We represent a specific niche that we found is the best for our clients. So we're finding like that 150 to 250 all in a lot of the businesses. Mental health business is more like, you know, uh, higher end, but you know, we're Why usually under, we're under a half million with all of our businesses. Why um, would that be higher end? Because of physical location? You, yeah, you're building out a physical location. Okay. Um, so what type of income opportunity comes on the other side of that? Yeah, sure. So I have to preface because we're super regulated. Sure, franchise. I'm not saying guaranteed to make anything, but just yeah, yeah. Gen- by and large without, like, it, would it be outlandish to say that you buy a franchise for, uh, that's a franchise fee of $50,000, another $100,000 to get it off the ground and that you can make 100000 your first year. So what happens is each franchise has what's called item 19 and they show you literally, this is what you can make on average. Here's the top, the middle and the bottom quartile. Sure. And yeah, we have businesses that can make that. We have businesses that can do do much, much more. Like what? How, how, what's like the highest you've seen for a franchise? So in the item 19, I'd say we had a business that showed seven over 750,000 in, in profit in the item 19. And then what, what type of business was that? Uh, that was in the, uh, in a home services business too. Like uh, it's actually, yeah, home services. And how space. much was that downstroke? I mean, it's funny. There, you, there's a franchise where you can get in for 150,000 service base. You don't have a physical location. There's people making close to a million dollars in profit. Um, in the item 19. In the item 19, correct. Um, which, that sounds like a good deal. Absolutely. It, what's why, cool, so why wouldn't that just be like the hottest franchise ever? Well, so so what we do is I look at us in our business kind of like we, we find waves, right? So we go out there. We're all over the country traveling the franchise conferences, meeting with founders of franchise. I have this whole podcast that talks to franchise founders to vet out who's a good fit. Mm-hmm. And out of the 500, we find three or four every year. Because I, I think you had asked that. We have three or four at any given time that we know has the right leadership team. The finances make sense. Um, for us, I, I live in New York City. It's expensive. Uh, I'm used to wanting to make money. We have people that maybe are doing it for other reasons. We're looking for clients that they want to obviously have more freedom and they want to enjoy what they do, but they want to make money, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the business we try to find. And then you got to get in at the right time, right? You can't, you know, if you get into Orange Theory right now, you miss the boat, right? right. It, it, it's already known. You got to get in before the markets sell. So we help people with that. And then on that, what I see is people buy multiple 
territories. So they'll but like to answer your question on why people, what? why isn't everybody, it's not sexy. People want sexy. Well, what what oh, yeah. kind of business that you said? Water and mold remediation. Okay. Like we might need it. <laughs> it's not right. Right. So that's the thing. It's not somebody going into business. They're not thinking, oh, you know, if we go and pump out basements, we're going to do really well, but there's a demand for it. There's always going to be a demand for home services. Insurance, insur you know, you need it, right? Exactly. You're calling them, you're calling your insurance company because you, you know, you're not going to like think about if you're, God forbid, your, your, your basement floods, right? Like you need to fix it. And you're not chasing mm -hmm. down to get paid. You have insurance covering it. So we agree. I, I say to every client, like, you know, we have over 500 brands that represent narrowed it down to maybe 30 that we really like. I'm going to tell you the three that I tell everyone every day, because truthfully, these are the best. And we're going to, why don't we just skip to the best sure. ones, you know? Yeah. And what are those three like right now? So right now I would say, and we differ a little bit on, on uh, one or two, but I would say the mental health business I was telling you about is it's exploding. I mean, they've, they've awarded 400 territories. Actually the private equity firm that bought my previous business just in, you know, invested into them as well. Just because it's an incredible business. It's semi-absentee, it's mental health, it's a need, it's a service. And no one's ever done that before. It's never been a mental health franchise. And that's the one that makes um, how much money a year? About So that one you know, actually- nine, Was it line 19 you said? Yeah, item 19. 19. So that one, they actually don't have earnings claims. They just started last year. So they weren't able to produce a full year sure. in yeah. it. So they, they actually, they can replicate uh, they have 16 corporate locations, so they can replicate with a client, you know, this is how many offices, you know, if you build a, a 10 office location and you have this many therapists and this, they can kind of replicate the figures, but legally they can't give exact figures. Uh, yeah. That one's a little bit tougher to answer for that franchise. Got it. Um, kind of like, you know, the, that, that's the challenge with, with what we do. And we always have to be, you know, candid with clients. We have to follow all the, the way that I think it's a little too regulated sometimes with the, the finances, because it's hard to, to explain a business. You're buying a business. You want to understand the finances, but yeah. they got to make sure they monitor it. So do you guys um, advise companies that want to become franchises or no? Do you do any of that? Yeah. So we do not in a formal way, but our goal is to eventually to buy a business and franchise it and then bring it to market or to, yeah. What makes a company a good franchise? Like what, what can you tell when something is franchisable? Yeah. What, yeah. Are, what are the telltale signs that make something a good franchise? Yeah. So we call it like our playbook on, on a franchise. So you got to have not specifically in this order, but you got to have a great leadership team. So the founder or this exact, if the founder's a little rough, then the executive team's got to be great, right? The, to steward the growth. Uh, they have to have capital to grow. You need, you know, at least a half million dollars in the franchise company to grow, to support opening all those new locations. Uh, I probably even more than that. Um, the unit economics have to make sense, right? So each location revenue wise and profit wise franchisees, if they have franchisees, if they're already franchised, you call up 10 of them and they're unhappy. That's not good, right? The franchisees have to be happy making money. And then it's got to have a USP unique selling proposition. So they got to come to market something different. You can't be selling the same shit. You got to have something new. And then the markets, you got to have the right markets. And then it's got to be replicatable, right? So you can't say, well, you know, we're successful here in Florida because everybody, you know, it's John's you know, pool business. Everyone loves John. Sure, yeah. It's got to be like in Nebraska, Michael who buys it can also succeed at it. Got it. Yeah. And in terms of the individual that buys it, are there certain like personality types or skill sets that they need? Or can anyone basically, if it's an absentee game, can they... <clears throat> you know, just put their money down and find someone like what makes a friend, like, do you have certain personalities that typically gravitate towards this or you prefer to work with? That's, 
I mean, th that's part of our process. So when we meet somebody, everybody's different. Personality type can make an impact on what brands I'm going to show them. If it's somebody who, you know, maybe is more reserved, hasn't led a team, he might not be somebody who has to manage a team of people. Uh, he might be somebody more kind of, that's able to be more out of the business, working on it, not necessarily in it. So it, it depends on it. all personalities welcome because there's a franchise for them. Yeah. I, I would piggyback and saying that they have to have one of the skills. Either they have to be a strong leader or salesperson, or they, if they're not that, they can hire that, but they got to be a great operations. Right. If they're not either, like we people come to us, right. they're like, I don't want to spend any money. I don't want to sell. I don't want to do anything. Right. You know, we can't help you, but if you can either sell, then you get out and you sell, you bring in business. Like for me as CEO, that's always been my skill. You know, I hire ops, you know, other people are great ops. I hire salespeople. Right. So it depends on the, uh, the person, but if they have neither of those skills, then they probably should just, you know, keep working at their job. If you're enjoying this episode, please click the subscribe button and make sure to connect with the Franchise Founders Podcast on LinkedIn. What's the um, downside of working with guys like you? Like, why would someone, I guess you can go direct, right? And just look in, I guess this USA, if it just franchise Google and you'll see yeah, a thousand yeah. franchises. What do you guys do that, that makes your, your, how do you get paid? I assume you get paid yeah. by what? The franchise pays you? Yeah, so uh, the franchise pays us out of the franchise fee. And what's kind of crazy is, Jordan, is it doesn't cost any more or less to work with us. So if right. you buy a franchise through us or the same franchise without sure. us, it's the same fee. I had looked at buying a franchise in my early 20s and I went online, like you just said, there's 4,000. Every single company you apply to wants to frankly sell you their franchise. It's crazy. Like it's overwhelming. And so I don't know how you could sit online and look through all that. It's a waste of time. We come in because we're able to limit, you know, or uh, mitigate all that, that time and just be able to get them right into the parents. Got it. So it doesn't cost them anything to work with you. Nothing. Sometimes I think people don't call us because they're like, what's the catch? But they're really, yeah. think of us like a recruiter, right? Are you, we use a recruiter in our company to find great salespeople. I don't care about paying the fee because they bring us phenomenal people. That's right. going to bring it right. So the franchise is like, we'll pay you that franchise. We get paid decent money, but the reason that they do it is because one, we get them a great operator owner. And then two, they're going to be making royalty for 10, 20, 30 years off that franchisee. So the fee they pay us, they're, they're actually happy to pay us. They want to buy us. And the client doesn't matter because it's not like it's more or less because they're with us. So as a business, how do you find your clients? Do you advertise online on, uh, I mean, what do you do? Your cold call? What do you do? We get on podcasts with Jordan Belford. And <laughs> now uh, we do everything. I mean, we got a machine, man. We got a lead generation machine. We have a call center. We have LinkedIn uh, ads that we run. Some of the things I can't do because it, previous business, but I've a lead gen is my skill. So we do Facebook ads, YouTube ads, call center, cold calling. We're one of the only businesses I think still cold calling, you know, really. but we cold call uh, thousands of people every single day and no one's really cold calling. Like they do the robo calls, but who's actually making cold? I mean, you know how to do cold calls, obviously. So we're still doing that. Really? Yeah. How many people do you have cold calling? We have five and then we use a predictive dialer. So they're able to just power through. It's kind of like, I mean, they're making, 10 calls at a time. So who are they? So they're calling who? A uh, list of who? Mostly executive types. Executives. So you're calling yeah. businesses? People at, you're calling people with business? I call them at home or at work or how are you speaking to them? Yeah, so what happened is, I again, I have to be cautious because I'm not doing anything that my previous uh, business did, but what we sure. know is we buy data. I mean, there's data. You can buy data from data 
brokers, uh, people that are in Texas that golf a lot. You know, there's correlations, right? If you golf a lot, you're often, you have some free time, you have some money typically. If you travel a lot, you know, if you're on an airplane, whether it's for pleasure or for work, probably have some expendable money. So we use data and then we get names and numbers and sorry to anyone that's listening that gets our calls, but we, you know, pester you, not, if anyone ever says no, we just, they hang right, out. Right, but right, right. we, we look at it like, you know, if there's all these boats fishing right now, um, they're all over here, we're over there and there's no one with their fishing rods in the water because right. no one's making cold calls anymore. Right. So we actually do cold calls. And how do you, does it go well for you? I mean, like, I mean, how many people do you find like that? So I think it's our best campaign. It's challenging because there's all these phone spam blocker and all these things, but we, mm. you know, I, I invested a lot of energy to get a technology that, you know, we're able to make so many calls and just like the fishing analogy, you're eventually going to catch the big fish, right? So we just rifle through a bunch of people. Well, how do the numbers work on that? So like how many people do you have to speak to yeah. until you find someone who's interested? It'll fascinate any listener. In my last business, there was similar. We would convert a fraction, like basis points of people. So we were sending, communicating with thousands of people and only a fraction. Well, I mean, well at, at what level? What, what, what do you consider the first point of contact? The fraction of what? So in, in that's- Amount of dials, I mean, because that's just a huge number because like the oh, predictive dial is auto-dialing for you. Gotcha. So as far as like people we talk like to- live, If you speak to a hundred humans in a day, people, like if you speak to a hundred decision makers- Gotcha. How many, how does that go from there? 200, one in 200. One in 200 decision makers will buy. Yes. And how does that work out though? So how many, like out of a hundred people you speak to, how many say, yeah, send me the information or like, how does that go? Yeah. Yeah. So out of 200 like leads, you mm -hmm. know, we'll reach like 30% of them. Yeah. Out of them, we'll convert, you know, percentage of that. Um, I want to say it's like, so out of 200 leads, we'll get like 30 to 40 appointments. Mm -hmm. Right. And then out of those 30 to 40, half will show uh, about 50% will show up. You know what I mean? Show up. The, is it online or are there webinars or in person? Yeah. Everything we do is, is, uh, is on the computer with, on the, okay. I mean, we, we can Zoom. do in person, Zoom. but Zoom. Yeah. Zoom. Yeah. So, so this call qualifier talks to 40, you know, gets 40 people to say, yes, I want to talk to Derek or any of our and other Instead of an online, um, you know, face-to-face -face appointment. Yeah. And okay. then 50% of those show up and okay. then out of those 30% engage with the process and then it goes on and on. And you get one out of 200. Yeah. Okay. But we don't care because we have a whole system. So it's sure. Yeah. One in right. 200 works for us. Right. And, and then, one in 200, I mean, once it gets on a, once a, a coach, that's, that's for the, the actual lead generation. They're, they're qualifying it before it ever gets to a coach. Um, so that's even a, a different figure. Right. Like the, the coach, the broker working with the candidate, like our, our sales team isn't talking to 200 people, right? They're only talking to maybe, I think it's one in, uh, one in 10 people that we put with Got clients. It, right. So they, they get to that point, they're really serious about it. Then it's like a one in 10. Yes. One in 10 of the ones that are talking to brands will, will buy. And we tell our clients, look, like we're not going to push you because most people actually don't buy nine out of 10 people don't end up buying. Right. So we know that one of them will, one won't. And we just have, it. it's a numbers game for us. Uh, and that's what makes, I think us different because we're not, most people do this. They're one guy in their you know, backyard making cold calls, right. commission driven. We're a volume business. So we know some will buy and some won't. Interesting. So in, in terms of like a franchise versus a regular business, I know you're saying the numbers are dramatically reversed, right? Like, so it's a 10, it's a one out of 10 if you're, you know, trying to start yourself, nine out of 10 if you're building a franchise, buying a franchise, right? Yeah. Are there some, for example, you mentioned like the home services industry, right? Are there other industries out there that 
are different, but that work like nail salons or, or restaurants. Like what about these yeah. ones, those types? Yeah. So I, I would say that, uh, so I yogurt shops, I have a little trick and it's like, it's kind of simple. My experience with the, my last business I sold to a private equity firm was, holy shit, these guys are way fucking smarter than me. The guys that work at those firms. And so I follow them. I follow what they're buying at the franchise or level. And I, we use that as a, as a good indicator too, right? So, you know, if a, if a private equity firm is buying into a certain industry or, you know, space, there's something to be said about that space. And so we try to look at their trends, mm -hmm. which we have some, you know, inside knowledge or, you know, some information to, and then we, we try to follow that. Yeah. So home services is giant. It's, you know, because it's uh, such a cheaper investment, but everything in like the med medical related, like taking care of, you know, your face and hair and testosterone and, you know, things like that. Those are also, we've got a concept that uh, started here that does really well in health and wellness. Yeah. What's that? Health and wellness just as a, it's called, as uh, a whole. called forever young. They started actually here in Miami. Uh, the two guys, cool story. So they were just on like, Shark Tank or, or Money Court. Um, it's everything from, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, Botox, hair transplant, testosterone, you know, cause that thing, that's not taboo anymore. Right. right. Uh, everyone's doing those, these types of things. So, you know, we see private equity, look at that and then we'll, we'll gravitate toward the, those concepts. Got it. So how about like the old fashioned, like what is like, does, does McDonald's still sell franchises or no, they just, or people, they're flipping with them within, like there's no new ones being sold, right? Yeah. You like McDonald's, you have to like, you know, first of all, what people don't really like McDonald's, it's great, but you have to divest all your other interests. I am not super familiar with this, but to my understanding is because apparently someone listening knows better than me, but from my understanding, you have to divest from your other, but you can't be like a McDonald's owner and do 10 other things. Right. And for me, I don't want to buy a business. That's a great business, McDonald's, but I don't want to buy a business for me that unless I was really, really, really wealthy, that I'm controlled by what else I do. Mm. You know, there's some franchises we have that actually in the FDD or in the franchise agreement, you don't own the ability to sell that business. That's not a business to me. In other words, every one of our clients that buys a franchise should be working towards exiting that business because exiting is where the most money comes from. So, right. you know, we try to uh, avoid businesses that I'm not saying McDonald's does that, but there are businesses that don't allow you to sell your business. Mm. They take it over and after the term ends. And a lot of the franchises you and most people know are, are not the best ones. If yeah. you look at SBA default rates, they're all the, the highest default rated businesses are all businesses. You like what's like what? Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> it's a, it's a, well, it's public information, right? What's, what's like the, what is it like subway or something? Uh, uh, you got yourself in this hole. Uh, I don't know. So <laughs> there's some car services, a lot of oil change places. Jiffy uh, <laughs> non-specifics. There are some, some restaurant concepts there. Me personally, I, unless it's a, I try to stay out of the food space just because it's more, more risk. You have, I mean, so many small interactions with so many customers you have to do to make a profit. You need a physical location, uh, COVID. If that happens again, something like that, your yeah. business is closed staff. They can be great businesses, but I just try to stay away. If you can do something less risky, then let's go that route. Food's great if you have a lot of money and you can do a lot of units. Like you see it with like Shaquille O'Neal as, you know, like a hundred locations of, uh, of, of food, you know, food's great if you have the money to do multiple, but if you're like our clients, most of our clients, you know, you're looking to replace your salary, make money, grow it to multiple units and then sell it one day. So we try to help them stay in that space. What, what's your goal for your company? So you have a new company, right? And, um, I know you've been in the business for a long time, but you got bought out and you're starting again. Right. So what's your goal? Like, where do you see your company going over the next few years? Yeah. I mean, at the core, I just, I love what we do. Help people become a business owner. 
I always joke, like if I had a hundred million in, in the bank right now, I would still do this. You know, I, I love it, you know? So I want to take this company to, you know, really be the household name when it comes to buying a franchise. You want to buy a franchise, you work with franchise playbook. Um, you know, we're working out, you know, a way to do that, that obviously still respects my old company and the private equity firm that bought that, you know, we're working together We're working towards working together, but I just know that we have the ability to help, you know, hundreds of people every, every year buy a franchise, be successful, sell that business, refer us more. We want to be the household name for that. Do most people that buy one franchise buy a second one, a third one? What's the, uh, yeah, they, mo our clients buy typically two, you two ter not different businesses Two. I don't advise buying two or three businesses at once, unless you're sophisticated and you've owned businesses before. If you're just starting out your first business, buy one business, one, you know, concept, but territories. So yeah, you're yeah. buying multiple territories, most people. So whether that be, a if it's a physical location, obviously you're getting physical locations. If it's something where it's a service-based industry, it's a population-based. So rather than getting 150,000, you can buy, you know, 300,000, 450 in just buy multiple territories. In, in population meaning? For 100, you know, right, territory right, right. meaning like if there's 100,000 people, this is your area you're allowed to operate in. Right, right. Or you can be in 200,000 and that's two territories. Most of our clients buy uh Two territories. Got it. And then come back and buy other businesses. Yes, but not, we don't recommend doing it all at once. Why is that? Just, you know, you know, perfect one thing at a time, basically. Yeah, like do one thing really well. Get get really great at it. Hire your team. Um, I think businesses, so what I've learned is, and I would love to get some of your insight on this because it's been, I think these are great questions we want to learn about you too. I think it's easier on a bigger business than it is a small business. That's for sure. Right. I mean, what, what's your experience in? Yeah, it's much easier. I mean, this is like, there's, well, there's, let's just say there's a really small business, which is easy to run. Then there's a big business, which is easy to run. What's difficult to run is like a 12, 15 man operation because, um, number one, you, you typically don't have enough depth in each department. So every one person matters. People, uh, start to, they realize that. So like the inmates are, are ruling the asylum, basically. Uh, you know, also you don't have the, um, ability to attract great people when you're that, if you're not like, you know, there's a part, part of the, um, part of the process of getting great talent is selling them the dream that we were a growing company and we're going places. Then great people want to work for you because they want to grow with your company. So if you're a small stagnant company, it's just very difficult to great, get great people. Right. Uh, and also just like, you know, you, you, like when you're very small, you're like, you know, you wearing like 10 fucking hats. Right. Yeah. Um, so that that's, that's like the death zone is the middle is like 10, yeah. 12 people. Well, I think when you get above like 30 or 40 people, it starts to get, if you, if you know what you're doing and you know how yeah. to delegate authority and you have a, a well-organized operation, it can get pretty easy. Like, I kind of, I had a business, you know, I had business with thousands of employees and it was so fucking, they never even go. Yeah. I just started, I just started a business the other, like last week and, um, I haven't been there. It's like, you know, it's <laughs> running great. You, you know, say I, it now. You, you, yeah, <laughs> last week I had some fucking business started. You know? Do you know what it is? Or is <laughs> but like, it's, you know, it's, we're growing and recruiting. I don't know what they're doing, but I got a great manager there. And, yeah. you know, it's like, let's, it's like, like, it's very easy. Like, but I, I think, I think the issue that people have that have never been in business before is they, they, they tend to overcomplicate it. You know, they yeah, tend yeah. to overcomplicate it and not worry about the right things. They worry about the wrong things. Right. So yeah. I, I, I think it's, um, 
I, that's why I like I like franchises. You know, the problem is just says that a lot of them suck. You know, if you get a good one, right, then it's, it's really good. You know, but a lot of them uh, they're just you know they're mediocre opportunities. Just think why you guys have a good idea because you're sort of cutting through a lot of the bullshit out there and trying to find the ones that really make sense, yeah. right? So, um, but yeah, I definitely think a, owning a big business is easier than owning a small business. But you have to, you know, all big businesses start off being small. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they get there. Like, you know, they don't just like, big, born a big business. You know, Microsoft yeah. or Facebook was one guy they started off, right? And then, you know, they, they grow, you hit a certain phase. Like, I think once you hit a certain phase of a business, um, it is really easy to grow and scale. The hardest part yeah. of a business, I believe, is is getting traction. Is that that phase yeah. of going from, and here's what, what, what another reason why I think um, you know, franchises make sense because a lot of things, and I've experienced this myself, they make sense on paper, yeah, but they don't quite play out in the real world as great as you would think. So you have this great business idea, and it looks good. The margins are good. The market's huge. There's a need there. But whatever it is, when you try to actually execute, on, there's something about the model yeah. that doesn't let it really make money the way it should. So I think if you could find the franchise that really that that's been proven to have scalability, I think that yeah. that's a good opportunity. It's interesting. Franchise owners are different than maybe even like I actually am not a great franchise owner. I need to start the thing and make the process. I like to go into the unknown and, you know, some people don't want to do that. It's funny because for our business, we were as startup as can be. I, I sold my business in May and I think I was on a Friday and then on Saturday, Saturday, I, you know, started thinking about the next business, you know, but, um, where's guys from by the way, New York? I'm from Massachusetts, uh, New Jersey. Originally I live in, in New York now. Where in, where in uh, Jersey from, uh, central Jersey, central. South Brunswick. Okay. Near Rutgers and Princeton. Got it. And then uh, live in, live in uh, the West Village in New York. In New York City. So what did you, what were you guys like when you were younger? Like, what, would you guys go to college? So, yeah. So that's a, that's a good story. I went twice. Twice. Yeah. yeah. Didn't, didn't make twice. It, yeah. Didn't make it either. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, around 21, uh, Derek and I worked at the same company doing sales and mm -hmm. Honestly, like watched your uh, all your your videos straight line and just studied it and became right. like sales maniacs at that company. You're 21. What kind of business was that? We sold. Uh, it was a marketing company that sold um, photo shoots. So okay. people that want to get into photo shoot, composite card, headshots, all of that. Oh, okay. We were the people doing the sales for that. I kid you not. We worked every Saturday and Sunday. 21 years old. You know, you're still going out doing your thing. We didn't miss a Saturday or Sunday for an entire year. Like you worked Saturday and Sunday every every day. Mostly women or men? Or, uh, both, both. Both, yeah. It was a great business, but it, it taught us a lot about, you know, just marketing and sales and how to build up a business. That that business had, you know, doing like 50 million in revenue. The CEO became friends. We learned from him. Anyway, so that company we ended up leaving. Derek went on to, well, you can tell your story, but he owned the car dealership. I went on to start this, this same, this space. And, and then that's it. That's all I know. I don't know any other business. I've only done this. Well, you didn't technically own a car dealership. I was a... Uh... I had a plans to own it. I had a percentage, but the deal kind of never went. What kind of car dealership? Used cars, off lease. Most of our cars were two, three years old max, less than 30,000 miles. Mm -hmm. Imports, mostly imports, German, and then Toyota, Lexus, Honda, Acura. Got it. And then Dan had been trying to get me into franchising for a long time. And I was like, I... And I had this business, so I was focusing on that. And then I decided to leave that business and get into franchising. Basically, if you, if you meet me, you end up in my recruiting funnel for the rest of your, your life. There's people I reach out to every, every six months, you know, yeah. saying, you're going to work with me eventually. So 
So Derek eventually got Derek to join the team. And then we, we, uh, I, we had the tran- transaction and, uh, started this business and Derek was able to come, come with me to start this out of nothing. You know, we just, uh, but we got a great team now kind of not probably not at the level you're at, but like we hired, you know, director of ops, director of marketing, you know, uh, of CFO so that I can focus on like just relationships really, you know? Sure. No, I have a very small, my, my business is different because I have a small business because I don't like, my, I'm like, I'm a, I don't explain. So I, I have businesses that have lots of employees. I, I own businesses that own, that have lots of employees, but I don't like, I'm just a shareholder. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? My own business. I've, I've gotten my business down really, really lean right now. I'm also in the process of writing a book. So mm-hmm. I've been I'm working on a book for like the last six months, which has been like taking up all my time. Which is, oh my God, it's crazy. I hate writing. Writing is a terror. I, I, I am not happy writer, you know, <laughs> but, but you know, when I've, every time I've written a book, it's always, you know, ended up being very, very rewarding experience after I'm done writing. Yeah, so yeah. this particular book is, uh, I'm about two weeks away from, two and a half weeks away from finishing really? after a long time. Yeah. So, um, so I've been kind of just like kind of isolating, just finishing the book, you know? How does that work? Do you just like go into a room and lock the door and write for an hour? Or? I just thought, no, so I, I write about 18 hours a day. Really? Yeah. Just, you just write all day? Write all day. Wow. Yeah. All day long. Like you wake up, get a coffee. Six o'clock in the morning, start writing, write straight to seven o'clock at night. My wife, uh, you know, we'll maybe watch TV for a couple hours at night and, you know, she's here and you know, whatever. And then, um, but I'm, I'm working, li- when, I'm, when I'm writing, I am like literally, it's like full on every yeah. morning, 6 a.m. Yeah. And then just, that's it. That's And it. you've been doing that. Well, except I, I've acted like I, you know, I, I get hired to do speeches and I do yeah. consulting and uh, I have uh, some obligations, but by and large, like right now, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the crunch right now. So I, you know, yeah. you know, listen, uh, I, um, I have a great publisher who I love, Simon and Schuster is my publisher and they paid me a lot of money to write this book. And then I didn't write it. Like they gave me a big, adv- like, well, I didn't, I knew like, I hate writing. So I, so one of the things I think is a good, good way to get yourself to do shit that you don't like to do is like, I took a check knowing if I took the check, I have to write the book. Right. Right. So they, so yeah. they wrote me a big check and I'm like, well, I would have never done it unless I was backed into a corner. Right. Yeah. But I knew it was a very important book. It's a book on how to make money in the stock market. Right. Yeah. And I know it's going to be, a, big, be a, a huge bestseller, I assume. Right. And, um, and I was going to try to use a ghostwriter and I just say, I have a very distinct voice when I write. So anyway, so after about a year, like I hadn't even started, I couldn't, I just couldn't bring myself to write it, you know? So I was like, fuck it. You know, I called my manager, my, my book agent. And I said, just, I'm going to give them back the money. I, I can't do this. You know, I can't fucking write it. There's no fucking price. That's, that's yeah, not, not that's money they can pay me. And they gave me a lot. I'm talking a lot of money, right? Not, not like $50,000, a lot of money. Right. Um, and, uh, she says, no, 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 I'm going to call the publisher. And they're very nice. They have, you know, I, my last book did kill it with that, right? They're like, no, no, we'll give you another, you know, another year, right? You know, just write the book. You know, come on, do it, right? So like, whatever, I delayed for another six months and then like, I just couldn't get started with it. You know, I tried a few times, I hated it, you know? And then I started writing and I just hit a couple of pages. I'm like, fuck, I'm like, that I like. Yeah. And I finally hit like on this sort of idea of how I'd write the book. And once I started, then I, um, I wrote about 15 pages, you know? One day? No, 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 no. That took me like a month yeah. to, to oh, fifteen okay. pages. In the beginning, it's very, I, it's very hard to write the way I write. It's not like just writing. It's like I'm really trying to structure a story. Yeah. So, fifteen pages, and then um, I sent it to the publisher and said, "Hey, if, if you like these, then like 
you know, they're like, oh, they're fucking, they love them. They said, these are great. These are perfect. You know, just, you know, we'll give you as much, how much time do you need to write the whole book? Yeah. So I was like, all right. And then I, I, you know, delayed again. And finally I said, fuck it. I got ran out of time. So my book is due in like October 15th. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so I like literally for the last two months, I've been literally like every fucking second I'm writing this book. You yeah, know? yeah. And it's coming out great, you know, but it's just a grind. And once I'm done with that, it's why I've been very inactive on social media. I've been like doing nothing. I've been like literally everything you see is my team recycling old shit right now. Cause I mean, they can't even talk to me. You, I, I did this for you guys. Like, you know, I, I am really not doing anything right now. It's why I've been, I've been missing it. podcasts. I, like, I, you know, I've been, uh, I mean, I didn't like, I didn't take my podcast seriously. I'm going to, I'm going to really, once this book is out, like um, it's going to be a massive, I, I hope it'll be a massive book and it's yeah. going to get my PR machine. I have a, um, I'm starting to film a docu-series. So okay. I shave a major, uh, major director regular Michael Bay involved. So, which is great. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, exciting. But you guys, for, so for you, what's like, you know, what's your goal? Where do you see yourselves in the next, you know, three to five years? Yeah. Where do you, you want to be? Yeah. So we want to be helping, you know, a good percentage of the market of buyers, you know, people that want to buy a franchise. Like I said, we're the household name. You work with us. You know, we're doing the volume of that. And I think, you know, the, the main goal is we're going to buy a business that we feel is the best franchise we've ever seen or best business. We're going to franchise it. We're going to bring it to market and, you know, be a franchisor because it's a very unique skill set to be able to find franchisees, right? That's something that all these franchisors they pay us to do. Right. So our goal is eventually, you know, so if you're listening and you got a great business and maybe you don't want to, you know, you don't want to own it anymore, we'll buy it and we'll turn it into a franchise yeah. or we'll stick, stay on with us and take it from one location to, you know, national wide company. That That's our goals to be a franchisor. Yeah. All right. So, so how do people, they want to find out more. How should people contact you? You have a website or what, what, what social media? How do they yeah, sure. It? So we have a website. In developed super new company, www.franchiseplaybook.com. So franchise playbook. Playbook.com. Yeah. I would say though, like what I've done in anytime I've done something, this is LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn because then I can actually see it and I'll, I'll respond to any person. Dan claps. Dan claps. Dan. C or K? C. C L A P P S. Just one P. One P. You got the clap? Yeah. Yeah. From the modeling business. Dan claps. Yeah. Dan claps. LinkedIn. If they... Message me, I'll respond to anybody, everybody. Right. So anybody that's basically, you know, um, per, what's your perfect demographic? Somebody, you don't, anybody you'll take, right? But Yeah, somebody that wants that, they, they, they're managing somebody else's business. They want to own their own business and we'll help them find the right business to buy. Or someone that, you know, maybe wants to, they want to franchise their business, but they need the help to get it to market. We'll partner with them and, and you know, buy, we'll even invest to buy into it to take it to market. Good deal. All right. Well, guys, listen, everyone, uh, check this out. Listen, I'm again, you know where I stand. I, I believe that if you don't own your own business, unless you're in a certain industry, like in financial services, uh, I really think it's very difficult to secure a financial future for yourself when you're working for a paycheck. So I'm a big believer in this. So check it out. Franchise playbook. And I will see you guys again. Hopefully we finish with this book soon. And I'm going to really start putting a lot more attention into my podcast and other things as well. I got a great, exciting 2023 coming once I finish this book. So everyone take you have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the franchise founders podcast. If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business to anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefounders at gmail.com.